0: Well, if you have a Bible either or a printed copy like I've got right here, you have a digital copy on your phone, let me encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. Is God's word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error first matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now turn with me in your copy of God's Word this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at several different passages, but I want us to start on Isaiah chapter 9. The question was asked years ago to a group, if you could choose one thing for life, what would it be? And Joseph Conrad, the novelist, said this. He said, I take it that what men are really after is some form or perhaps some formula for peace. And I think he was right. We all are looking for peace. We're pursuing peace. That's why we have peace officers. That's why we have justices of the peace. That's why when we die, we say rest in peace. That reminds me of a, of a story I heard several years ago about this, this businessman that was opening up this new office in another city. And his friend wanted to send him a flower arrangement congratulating him for this new office, this new location. And, and so he sent the flowers, then he went to the office to visit him. And he was appalled when he got there because the floral arrangement said, rest in peace. And so he immediately went to the florist who did the arrangement and let him, let him know that he wasn't upset, and the florist um, apologized profusely, but then he said, you need to look at it this way. Somewhere there's a funeral going on today where above that grave is a flower that says good luck in your new location. What I've discovered is we all want peace. We want peace in our lives. We want peace in our marriages. We want peace in our family. We want peace at work. We want peace in our country. We want peace in our world. We do everything we can to get peace, but it seems like with everything that we do, everything we try, there's really very little peace. So the question I want us to answer this morning is this. Is peace possible? A U.S. journalist wrote several years ago, there is no such thing as inner peace. There is only nervousness and death. Now, I don't know what that lady was going through that caused her to to feel that life was that hopeless, that peace was impossible. But what she said was very similar to what Job said thousands of years earlier. Job said this. He said, I have no peace no quietness I have no rest only trouble now Job had gone through a lot he had lost all of his possessions he had lost all of his children he had lost his health but in the midst of all of that Job continued to praise God the Bible says that he was a man who was blameless a man of integrity who feared God who stayed away from evil and yet He had no peace. And so my question is, is peace possible in this life? But before we answer that question, I think we need to define what we're talking about. What is peace? Well, let me first of all tell you what peace is not. Peace is not the absence of conflict. The Bible makes it clear that that until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Until Jesus comes back, there will be conflict. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. And peace isn't the absence of difficulty or pain. The Bible also makes it clear that in this world, we will have trouble. So what is peace? Well, the dictionary defines peace as freedom from disturbance, tranquility. I like to think of peace this way. You can write this down. This is my definition. Peace is a calm in the midst of the storms of life because of the hope we have in Jesus. Let me say that again. Peace is the calm that we can have in the storms of life because of the hope that we can have in Jesus. And Jesus came into this world to give us peace. I want you to listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for a child is, is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. 700 years before Jesus was ever born, it was prophesied that, one, that was, one was coming that would bring peace to the world. Now, Until Jesus comes again, this world will not have lasting peace. But you can have peace. I can have peace because Jesus came to give us peace. In Luke chapter 1, Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, prophesied about the coming Messiah. And and this is what he said. He said, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised to his holy prophets long ago. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. You see, the Bible says that that Jesus is not only the prince of peace, we are told that Jesus will guide each and every one of us to the path of peace. And finally, in Luke chapter 2, it says, when the angels appeared to the shepherds and they began praising God, they said this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom he is pleased. You see, Jesus came to bring peace. And so the question I want us to ask this morning is, how can we have peace in a troubled world? How can you and I have peace of mind and peace of heart in the midst of all of the trouble this world brings to us? Well, here's the first step. If I want to have peace in a troubled world, I must first have peace with God. That's where we've got to begin. You see, the Bible tells us that we're not at peace with God. The Bible teaches that that due to our willful sin and rebellion against God, we are God's enemies. We are waging war against Him. I want you to listen to how Paul frames that in the book of Colossians. It says, at one time, you were far away from God. You were His enemies because of the evil things you did and Thought. Now, we may not like to think of ourselves as enemies of God fighting against his sovereign rule, but that's who we are. When we choose our way, our rule, our plan over his, we are sinning, we're rebelling against God. And as enemies of God, we deserve God's wrath. Paul said in the book of Romans, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So the Bible makes it clear that you and I are sinners against a holy God and and we are under his wrath. So how can we have peace with our creator, creator? Now many people have this idea that that God is up in heaven and he's got this ledger. And, and if the good that we do outweighs the bad that we do, then we can have peace with God. But the Bible makes it crystal clear that you and I cannot earn our salvation it's a gift. So how can I have peace with God? Well, here's step number one. I must admit my sin. In the book of Isaiah, the same one that prophesied that a child would be born that was the prince of peace, it says this, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, there are two important words that we need to understand in that verse. The first one is transgressions. That word speaks of our willful sin. It refers to trespassing, stepping over the line. You see, God has created a line that is for our protection. And whenever we step over that line and do what we want to do rather than what God wants us to do, we're trespassing against God. And the Bible says that we are transgressors. The second word is the word iniquities. And that refers to our nature. It refers to being crooked corrupt at birth our nature is prone to rebellion we talked about this last week when when I shared with you how every little child has a sinful nature and when they get to two or three years old we begin to see that nature act out as they get selfish and self-centered that's how kids are we're born to sin we're prone to rebel against God and our sins separate us from God if we want to have peace with God, we must first of all admit that we are sinners. And then second, we must accept Jesus as my Savior. I must accept Jesus as my Savior. The only way I can have peace with God is through Jesus. In Ephesians, Paul said this. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. And then he said this, for Christ himself has brought us peace. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. Then he rose from the grave three days later, defeating sin and death so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could be restored to peace with God. And so let me ask you, have you admitted your sin in our proud culture today? It's hard for us to acknowledge that we've rebelled against a holy God. But that's the first step. Have you admitted your sin? And then second, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? When we do that, we can have peace with God. And then that leads us to experiencing the peace of of God because the peace of God comes through Jesus I want you to listen to what it says in John chapter 14 verse 27 Jesus is speaking and he says I am leaving you with a gift and that gift is peace of mind and heart and the peace I give is a gift that this world cannot give so don't be troubled don't be afraid Jesus said that I am going to give you a peace that's not of this world it's a peace that will change your mind it's a peace that will change your heart it's a peace that will deliver you from the trouble and the fear that comes into this life you see Jesus gives us peace both to our heart and to our mind. It's a peace that comes when when we are filled with His Spirit. It is a peace that is truly beyond our understanding. It is a peace that allows us to cope with the problems and pains, the uncertainties and the uncontrollable events of this life. Someone said it is a peace that allows us to keep our head when everyone around us is losing theirs. And we all need this peace. Because life is so uncertain, bad things happen. For some of us, it will be the death of someone we love. It it could be a parent, a child, or a spouse. For others of us, it could be a health issue, a heart attack, or cancer, or or some life-threatening illness. It could be pain. It could be divorce. It could be financial uncertainty. It could be the loss of a dream. But even though this peace that comes from God is a gift, it seems like there are times that we aren't filled with peace. Even though we have admitted our sins, even though we have accepted Jesus and and this peace is a gift, we don't have the peace. Can anyone relate to that? I, I mean, we sit back and we say, I know, I know, I know that I've admitted my sin. I know that I've accepted Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I love Him and yet, Oftentimes in my life, I'm still filled with worries and doubts and insecurities and fears. Now, why is that? If Jesus gives us peace of mind and heart, then why is it that those of us who know him and love him and follow him still struggle with these things? Now, understand, there are medical conditions that cause us to struggle, to be depressed, to to be anxious there are chemical imbalances that go on in the head just like just like breaking a bone or cancer growing inside of us and and if we have a chemical imbalance in our brain that is affecting us we need to be treated but I want you to hear me I want you to listen very closely Because the majority of the time today, when we are living with fears, when we're living with anxiety, when we're feeling depressed, it's not because of a medical condition. It's because of the situations and circumstances of life. And when we are overcome with fears and depression and doubt and anxiety because of the circumstances of life, God's saying, I've got a solution for you. And it's not going to come through medication. Medication is only masking the problem. It's not solving the problem. I I learned a verse many years ago that I cling to, I hold on to. It's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I want you to listen to what it says. It says, then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus said it, then Paul repeated it. Now, there's a word in Philippians 4, 7 you need to hear. You can't miss if you want to understand the full scope of what he's saying there. He said, then you will experience. And so what he's saying is, in light of what I have just told you, In light of what I am about to tell you, if you will do what I say, then you will experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. You see, even though Jesus lives in our heart, there are some things that you and I need to do in our life if we want to maintain a spirit of peace in the midst of difficult times. And so what are those things? Paul gives them to us in Philippians 4. Here's the first one. We rejoice In spite of our circumstances. We rejoice in spite of our circumstances. In verse 4, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul said this. He said, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. Notice what it says. It says that God can give us peace at all times in the midst of every situation situation and then he says rejoice in all things i will say it again rejoice now understand the word rejoice here's the command rejoicing is a choice i make in spite of my circumstances let me say that again rejoicing is a choice i make in spite of my circumstances i can't always determine my circumstances but i can determine my response and that is so important If you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn with me to a passage that God used many years ago, Psalms 13, God used many years ago to to speak to me and to help me understand some things as as someone I love dearly was struggling with depression and, and anxiety and worry and all of these things. Psalm 13, David is speaking and if you read the passage, it's obvious that David is in a pit. He's He's in a bad place. He says, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with my anguish and my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O oh Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But, A better translation of that Hebrew word I believe is yet. Yet I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Notice how David felt. He felt forgotten by God. He was overwhelmed with anguish and sorrow. He he thought he was about to die. I mean he felt like he was needed to die. He wanted to die. But notice how He responded. He he trusted in God's unfailing love. He rejoiced in spite of his circumstances. He sang to the Lord. He didn't let his situation or his feelings determine what he did. He didn't feel like it, but he did it. He rejoiced in the Lord. And notice what it says. This is so important. It, It says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. And understand, as David wrote this, he hadn't been rescued. He was still in the pit. He still felt like God had forgotten him. He was full of anguish. He was full of sorrow. And yet he said, I will rejoice because God has rescued me. He was rejoicing for what God was going to do, even though at that moment God had not yet done it. Now, I'll talk about that in just a minute. You see, you can determine how you respond to any and every situation. It may be hard. It may seem unnatural. But listen, your response in your situation ushers you into God's peace. Let me give you an example. Unless you're new, you know that, that five years ago, on the day before our youngest son's wedding, our middle son passed away in the night. For a long time, my my wife had said, I think that I can handle anything but the death of a child. And I would would tell her, sweetie, God's grace is sufficient. If the Bible is true and he can give us a peace that passes understanding, even in the midst of the most horrific things of life, he can give you peace. Let me just tell you, Losing a child is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It's hard. But in the midst of that situation that she said, I don't think I would ever be able to handle that, I saw the peace of God that passes all understanding guard my wife's heart and mind as she was in Christ Jesus. And to see her walk, through that situation giving glory to God should be evidence to anybody that there is a God in heaven that loves us and will give us peace that passes understanding. We have to rejoice regardless of our circumstances. This is so important that Paul repeated it twice. He said rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Rejoice in all circumstances. Here's number two. Take your concerns to God. I've got to take my concerns to God. In verse 6, he said, don't worry about anything. He said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. We have a choice. We can worry about what's going on in our life, in the world, or we can pray. The English word here, the old English word for worry comes from an old German word that means to struggle or choke. It was used to describe placing a, a noose around someone's neck and choking the life out of them and that's what worry does worry literally chokes the life out of you and listen worrying never accomplishes a thing worrying never solves a problem worrying never steps in and meets the needs of your life but God through prayer can do amazing things prayer can move mountains prayer can defeat our strongest adversary prayer does for man what man cannot do himself because prayer is calling on almighty God and this is what I've discovered when I pray regardless of the answer regardless of the result God's peace fills my soul now I want you to hear what I said when I pray it doesn't always change my circumstance. It doesn't always change my situation. But when I pray, it changes me. So we rejoice in everything. We cry out to God in prayer. I love what this song said. It's an old song, but listen to it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry. What does it say, church? Everything to God in prayer. So cry out to God. Number three, refocus your mind. If I want to live with God's peace, I've got to refocus my mind. Verse 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What we think about what we focus on has a dramatic impact on how we feel and how we live that that just was taught to me in an incredible way this week a silly way but an incredible way so I was I was fasting one day this week and um and when I fast like this i my body doesn't normally get hungry but what I discovered on Wednesday, as Sherry and I were walking, as we were walking and, and we began talking about not eating, and as I talked about not eating, knowing that I wasn't eating, all of a sudden, my stomach growled immediately. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I, 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 it's not that I was, you know, going to die of starvation. I had plenty of stored food. But as soon as I talked about not eating, it's as if my body said to me, you need to eat. Now, think about that. Think about how what we think about affects our body, our health, our mental health, our emotional health. Our, Our mind affects us in so many different ways. And certainly, what we think about affects our worry and our depression and our discouragement. You see, we have to take our minds off of certain things and focus them on other things. We can reprogram our mind, which affects every other part of our body and and even how we feel. Now, how do we do that? Well, there are some things we need to remove from our life that we are putting into our mind. I mean, there are shows and there's music that we listen to that's downright depressing. And if I'm watching shows that's all about how bad everything is, I'm going to begin to believe it's bad. It's real bad. And I'm going to get depressed and discouraged because that's what I'm putting in my mind. But if I'm focusing on things that are good and noble and pure and right and excellent and praiseworthy, focusing on the things of God, it will change my mind. Here's the fourth and final thing. I've got to put God's word into practice in my life. Uh, listen to what it says in verse 9 keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me do then the god of peace will be with you keep putting into practice don't ever stop we're not just to be hearers of the word but we're to be doers of the word there are some of you who are who are faithful in reading the bible every day but when you get through reading it you don't even know what you read When you read God's word, you should be reading it to discover how you can apply it to your life. So as you're reading the Bible, you're asking yourself, how can I put this into practice in my life today? Because what Paul said here is everything you heard from me, this is what he was writing right now. All these things that I've told you, if you do them, then the God of peace will be with you. It's not enough to read the word. You've got to read the word to apply the word. And when you do what God's word says to do, God supernaturally, miraculously, will begin to give you his peace that passes understanding. Look at verse 7. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, peace is in the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of my problems. John Wesley said it like this. He said, when I looked to Jesus, the dove of peace flew into my heart. But when I looked at the dove of peace, it flew out. I, I like what someone else said about this. It's strange, but it's true. He said, you'll never find peace looking for peace. You will only find peace when you look for Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus. I heard about this man who was a constant worrier. He worried about everything. He worried about his health. He worried about his family. He worried about his job. He worried about everything. And one day, he, he saw this friend that he hadn't seen in a while, and they began talking, and the friend said, I, I don't understand. You used to worry about everything, and, and now you just seem so calm and at peace. What happened? What changed? And the, the former worrier said, well, I hired somebody to do my worrying for me. He said, you hired somebody to do your worrying for you? Wow, how much did that cost? He said, $1,000 a week. His friend said, you don't have $1,000 a week to pay someone to do your worrying? The former worrier said, that's not my problem. (laughs) Now, let me warn you. If you think you can pay someone to do your worrying for you, (laughs) you're going to lose your money and you're going to still have your worries. But you can cast your cares on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. When you do, the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm not trying to lead you astray. I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you struggle with depression. I'm trying to help you discover the freedom that you can have in Christ God's word's clear he can give us a peace that is beyond our ability to understand it a peace that affects our mind and a peace that affects our heart so either God's word is true or it's not and if it's true and we're struggling with worry and anxiety and fear and depression, then obviously, apart from medical conditions, obviously, there are some things that we're not doing in the formula that God gave us in His word. So let me ask you, are you rejoicing in spite of what happens? Are you crying out to God, casting your cares on Him, trusting Him? Are you you doing that? Are you reprogramming your mind, focusing on the things of God and not the things of this world, recognizing that our hope is in Jesus? And are you putting into practice what God's Word says because He tells us? He tells us when you do these things, trusting Him, He'll give us a peace that passes understanding. But listen, to have the peace that comes from God, we must first have peace with God. And so are you at peace with God? Have you admitted your sin? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not? You may say, well, I'm not sure it's all true. Can I ask you a question? What have you got to lose to try Jesus? Your worry? Your fear? Your anxiety? You've got all those things to lose. Your guilt, your shame. You're going to lose those too. You'll never lose trusting Jesus. So if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus and you're willing to say, I want Jesus today, I want to tell you how. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you'd like to do that today, you can pray this simple prayer. Dear God, I humbly come to you today acknowledging that I'm a sinner. I've done things my way. And it hasn't given me what I want. I know something is missing. I know something's lacking. Forgive me for living life my way. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, so that I could have peace and hope and joy and experience your love. Jesus, today I'm trusting you. I'm giving my life to you. Save me. Make me whole. From this moment on, I want to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing my prayer. With your head still bowed, your eyes